This episode is brought to you by Found Item Clothing and BunnySlippers.com. Hey, keep your feet warm during quarantine, and why don't you, uh, I don't know, put on some Highland Cows slippers at BunnySlippers.com. They got those Cthulhu slippers still, and don't forget about those Dino Sound slippers. Every three steps makes a dino sound, and it's not as annoying as you think. It's actually kind of cute. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by Found Item Clothing and BunnySlippers.com. Do you know what you can do? You can get a cool shirt from FoundOutOnClothing.com. One of those awesome shirts like uh, Burger Warren Revenge of the Nerds or Styles Warren Teen Wolf. What are you looking at, Dick Nose? That's what it says on the shirt. I'm not being rude, just what it says on the shirt. How are you doing? How are you, how, how are you holding up? How's, how's everyone going? How Learning new recipes? Uh, did you, uh, I don't know, build any instruments? Did you uh, find out anything cool with an Instapot that you can do? Find any new podcasts? Watching any new shows? I hope you're doing as good as I am. I've, uh, I don't know, I'm like working two jobs and uh, managing three, four podcasts, uh, two children <laughs> and a house, and it's all, it's all shittily. Anyway, <laughs> hope you're doing better than I am right now. I need to mow my lawn. I am out in my backyard sans microphone. I'm just talking into the microphone on my laptop. I know it's not how I normally roll, but hey, my studio is a claustrophobic coffin right now. So hey, um, hope you're all doing well. This episode, we're going to be talking about ghouls. Uh, not necessarily the undead that eat the uh, living or the... But we are specifically talking about those that eat the dead. Dead eaters. We're not talking about uh, the Plateau of Lang. We're, we're, we're talking specifically about ghouls in literature, starting with Arabian Nights all the way up to H.P. Lovecraft and some other stuff there. So check that out. It's going to be cool. And we have got Ken Hyde on the show... Because, you know me, I couldn't do this by myself. You've listened to the first few years of this show. I can't do this by myself. I need a co-host or someone to bounce off of. Anyway, so we've got Ken Height. And, oh, hey, have you seen? Have you seen the shirts in the shop? We've got some new shirts from Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans. And pretty soon we're going to have a brand new shirt from Articulate Warbling. Zach and Laura together on the shirt. So we've got that going on, and what else do we got going on? We, uh, no, no, no upcoming conventions, um, no upcoming movie festivals, so hope you're enjoying stuff. Uh, check out Solar Opposites. I don't know if I said this last time. Check out Solar Opposites on who, um, here we're going with this, and I'm gonna talk about ghouls. I don't have my normal setup set up, so I don't know if my three minutes is up. Um, it's counting out in musical measures, and I don't read music. But hey, 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 do you like music? Do you like guitars? Because currently I am offering 12 handmade, smallest electric guitar you can find. I'm building them myself. They weigh less than five pounds, and they're roughly about 32 inches. So yeah, if you're interested in a guitar and you live in the United States, I can ship one to you for probably about 10, 15 bucks, but the guitars themselves probably are about 60 bucks. So yeah, no, message me uh, around 60 OBO. And if you are international, we can figure this out and we can ship something to Sweden or India or wherever you're at. And yeah, talking about ghouls. Oh, it's, it's, it's seven o'clock. It's getting loud in my neighborhood. All right. So here we are with Ken Height. Enough of me. Um, check out the shop, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you do that stuff. And, uh, yeah, um, don't be a jerk. And I can't think of anything else. All right, here we go. Hey, everyone, welcome back to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. And as always, in the segment I like to call Ken Explains Literature to DB. But how's it going, Ken? Pretty good, all things considered. Nice. Uh, hanging in there like we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're talking about ghouls, like Lovecraftian ghouls, but also like just ghouls today. And um, like, I know the part where I say, this is what I know, <laughs> what's going <laughs> on. So I know that ghouls go back into Arabic folklore, at least. Yep. Or at least, like, 
the Arabian Nights tales. I don't know if that qualifies as Arabic folklore, if that was something that like English people or French people co-opted later and then added a bunch of stuff. Or, but I... well, the 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 uh, the ghoul tales in the Arabian Nights are some of the older ones. They okay. come out of Persia, which is where the Arabian Nights comes out of. Yeah, and the ghoul was encountered in Arabian folklore. Uh, before the Arabian Nights, one assumes, certainly after the Arabian Nights. Uh, so it's part of folklore now. Folklore is not a matter of, you know, things come from one place, go to one place. Yeah. Folklore is like um, uh, everything spreads everywhere at all times, and you can derive folklore from literature or from, you know, advertising or from all kind of places. In this case, it in my way of thinking, mm-hmm. uh, since you've got a Sumerian monster that shapeshifts, waits by the road, and eats you, and often looks like a beautiful woman. Yeah. I don't think it's that impossible to believe that that monster, which is basically the sort of completely legitimate thing to worry about if you're walking down a road in Mesopotamia in 3000 BC or 2080, mm-hmm. uh, that monster, you know, has a a a, uh, a longer heritage than just the Arabian Nights. I don't think that there's any reason to say that. There was there would be some reason to stop believing in a roadside cannibal monster at any point in uh, Mesopotamian history. So, as far as I'm concerned, yes, legitimate Arabic folklore back to the mists of time, just like proper folklore is supposed to. All right. Uh, and it's uh, the word is uh, from uh, the Arabic gala, which means to seize. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can argue whether that's just to be seized as if by a roadside kidnapper or to be seized with terror. Uh, either one is a legitimate interpretation, but uh, the Arabic ghoul uh, comes out of that, and uh, the ghoul, or gilan, which is the plural, um, used to lurk there by the sides of the road and cause trouble. And in at least one of the Arabian Nights, uh, uh, they've got uh, children uh, a spawn or a brood of little ghouls. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they're a one-off thing. They're like a species and uh, they are, uh, they're, they're bad doings. They, they eat you. And then at some point they uh, switch from just roadside cannibals into uh, explicit devourers of corpses. And the question there is, does that come is that a literary thing that the Arabian Nights bring out? And it is certainly, whether it comes out of that uh, tradition, it is certainly something that uh, Antoine Galland and uh, William Beckford decided was a cool and central part of ghoulery, was uh, devouring corpses and uh, having a canine uh, uh, shape, right? They look dog-like or, or jackal-like. And again, you can make the argument, yeah, hyenas... Uh, sit by the side of the road, jackals sit by the side of the road, they eat corpses, uh, plague dogs or, or grave dogs. The dog is, of course, ritually unclean in um, uh, uh, Arabic culture. And so what else is ritually unclean? Dead people. There's a connection already. And, of course, if you've got a bunch of wild dogs running around and you don't bury your corpses soon enough, they get eaten. So yeah. that connotation of a canine thing that eats corpses, it's a natural thing to assume even if it gets a sort of a literary boost from Galand and from uh, uh, Vathek by Beckford. Okay. All right. So after after uh, Arabian Nights, where do we where do we go? Uh, who who else picks up ghouls from that? And what is there any other like really kind of famous works of literature that involve ghouls or eaters of the dead? Um, well, there's there, there's a fair decent number of cannibals, but yeah. ghouls qua ghouls mm-hmm. uh, tend to sort of derive in Western literature from Beckford. So okay. they come. All right. And uh, in uh, in 1906, mm-hmm. uh, a writer named Edward Lucas White, who not a lot of people know uh, anymore because he's not very good, uh, wrote a story that he stole from the Arabian Nights okay. uh, called Amina. And that got a fairly wide publication, and that was a pretty straight-up um, uh, ghoul. Um, uh, and he uh, uh, puts them into 
the uh, sort of mainstream of, of horror, uh, which is, of course is being formed right around that turn of the century period. Um, and then later writers had read White and then also uh, Lovecraft especially had read uh, and Clark Ashton Smith, who was another big ghoul uh, fan, mm -hmm. uh, had were both big, big, big fans of Vothek. And so Ed, uh, uh, Beckford's Vothek is still hugely influential because uh, writers who are self-consciously sort of reaching back into the uh, earlier uh, 18th century lyrical tradition, like Lovecraft and mm -hmm. like Smith, are pulling the ghouls out of Vothek and trying to uh, weird talesify them, basically. And so you get uh, Clark Ashton Smith uh, writes a uh, story called um, The Ghoul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he writes, um, and uh, The Nameless Offspring is another uh, Clark Ashton Smith uh, ghoul story that is basically Arabian Nightsy, Vathaki type ghouls. Okay. Um, the big sort of shift in ghoulishness does indeed come from our good friend. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft, All right. who, uh, with Pickman's model, explicitly switches ghouls out from a foreign horror that comes to pollute uh, our uh, uh, English or American shores mm -hmm. into a ongoing, you know, a, a global threat, if you will, something that happens wherever there's dead bodies. And Pickman's model, of course, d Arabicizes the ghoul, and Lovecraft in that story deliberately connects it to the changeling myth because you have the uh, the painting in that story where the the little ghoul baby is put with the Puritan family and the little Puritan baby is with the ghoul family. So the uh, so Lovecraft sort of takes the element of the ghoul, uh, pops it out of Arabia and puts it kind of into Ireland or Wales or or the Celtic. Mm -hmm. uh, changeling myth stories. Okay. And that is that, that's the moment at which ghouls become global as opposed to just an exotic foreign monster. And again, plenty of people after Lovecraft still treat ghouls as exotic foreign monsters. There's a novel by, uh, Edward Lee called, uh, ghouls in which it's straight up just like, um, uh, uh, uh whitehead's Chadbourne experiment where a bunch of bad ghouls come from foreign parts and try and mess with Americans. Uh, Edward Lee writes a, a similar story called Ghouls. Um, uh, Mark Ronson has a novel called Ghoul that is basically the same sort of thing. Um, and so that sort of Arabic monster level that, uh, for lack of a better term, Orientalist conception of the Ghouls is still with us. Mm -hmm. It's just that Lovecraft has made it possible to write amazing Ghoul uh, uh, stories that are not necessarily connected to that original uh, myth pattern and don't have you don't have to sort of say you know scary foreigners and believe me i'm sure lovecraft would be as surprised as the next person to discover that he'd unscary foreignered a, a horror myth but there we are <laughs> yeah oh speaking of scary foreigners uh oh man that didn't sound great i wanted to lead into vampires another uh right. scary foreigners uh, horror trope how uh -huh. how closely related do you think ghouls are just just from your Ken Height, uh, Mine Cannon. How, how, how close are ghouls and vampires related? Well, you hear in various vampire fiction, and I think in um, in uh, the Saint Germain novels by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough is maybe the clearest example, that ghouls are sort of like vampire sidekicks. Okay. Because you get the notion, well, a vampire drinks all the blood out of the corpse, then a ghoul can eat the corpse. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, a Jack Spratt situation. Okay. And the ghoul can stay awake by day and protect the vampire even though of course in the original myth the ghoul is a uh, is a nocturnal creature but um, the notion is that uh, ghouls and vampires have sort of a symbiotic relationship and of course that gets picked up in Vampire the Masquerade where a ghoul becomes any mortal who is um, uh, enthralled by a vampire and, um, uh, and and so you have this sort of notion that they're partners I I you know the 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 comparisons aren't really there because in um uh, in the Balkans if you ate dead bodies you were a different kind of a thing than a vampire you were a, a different sort of a creature mm -hmm. uh, so for example 
the um, uh, uh, Serbians have a creature called the Psoglav, mm-hmm. which is a dog-headed monster that um, uh, eats people okay. and uh, especially corpses yeah. if it can't get to live people. And so there's sort of just a general. Uh, basically, it's 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 uh, like the Kalakanzaros. It's the the creepy thing that lives off in the waste country and eats you. So it's very like the original Arabic ghoul, mm-hmm. but our version of it becomes the werewolf. Oh, okay, right. And then so it's um, uh, and and that and that weird parallelism between the werewolf and the ghoul uh, goes all the way down to Guy Endor's novel, which you I'm, I'm sure heard of. The we've even done it on the show already. The Werewolf of Paris. Yeah. Which is not about a werewolf at all. It's about a what is it about? Oh, that's right. It's about a guy who eats dead bodies in a cemetery. It's about a ghoul. So, the Werewolf of Paris is a is a, is a big ghoul novel. Um, but it's not one that really is part of this different tradition than we're talking about because it's just sort of the horror of, of cannibalism and necrophagy uh, as connected to a human being, right? It, it's about, oh my goodness, this person is, uh, has ghouled. And maybe there's some sort of uh, connection between that and Lovecraft's later notion that human beings become ghouls if they hang around cemeteries too much and are like uh, uh, Richard Pickman, right? Mm-hmm. That they that there's a, a fluidity between them. Hmm. And so the, uh, but, but the, uh, the, the Balkan thing that, uh, the hides in the wastelands and eats you, the Balkan ghoul, if you will, yeah. is, is very different from the Balkan vampire. And then, so they are on different sort of story tracks, huh. but the, you know, the, uh, the impetus certainly in the beginning is in, in the sixties and seventies and probably, uh, beginning a little earlier than that with the monster rally films of the, of universal to sort of say, well, if one monster is a good story, three monsters is strictly good. <laughs> um, I, I think that we have that sort of postmodern monster mashup, yeah. uh, impetus. And then, um, uh, ghouls are, are part of that. But again, because they don't have maybe werewolf of Paris aside, they, there's not like some great classic Dracula of ghouls, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. People are, are, are think of them as sidekicks or, or subordinate monsters. Obviously, us as Lovecraft fans uh, are, are are very blessed because we've got Pickman's model. Yeah, we've got the ghouls and Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. Uh-huh. There's an argument that Lovecraft is trying out his ghoul uh, stories with Picture in the House. The uh-huh. Outsider obviously is often depicted as a ghoul. Yeah. Um, the things in the grave in Statement of uh, Randolph Carter mm-hmm. are. Uh, well, they're in a grave. They speak English. Yeah, that would be ghouls in the Lovecraft universe. Although, of course, Lovecraft doesn't say that they're ghouls. Mm-hmm. Um, in um, uh, in in the in the letter where he describes the dream, he he explicitly says he doesn't know what they are, and he doesn't think that they're anything that he's ever heard of because he says, "I've heard of ghouls and mold shades." Yeah, but this seemed to be something else. And first of all, how Lovecraft gets to leave the word mold shades in a letter and not put it in a story. <laughs> I don't know. It's very unfair to me. But uh, but but the notion is that there's sort of a ghoul, like a ghoul starter dough uh, bubbling away in Lovecraft, uh, you know, starting in 1919 with the statement of Randolph Carter and then mm-hmm. running forward uh, into um, uh, uh, Pickman's model where it sort of blossoms in its in its fullest shape. And uh, then we get the sort of um, uh, fantasy ghouls uh, almost immediately thereafter in Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, where they're a fantasy race and they go do fantasy race things. And then um, I'm not sure if the paralyzing uh, touch or paralyzing bite from Dungeons and Dragons ghouls Mm -hmm. is a callback to the Arabic notion of uh, the ghoul as the thing that grasps and seizes you, or if it's just Gygax had a paralyzing bite and he wanted to put it somewhere and he figured ghouls are good we need something for this yeah, yeah. There, there is a line that i ran into somewhere where um uh I, I i forget if it's in um white or in um uh there, there's another one of lovecraft's friends and uh correspondents uh named henry s whitehead who lived in the west indies uh for a long time gathered a lot of uh mythology and, and folklore and occultism and put them in a bunch of uh short stories uh, he, cor- he cor- uh, Lovecraft hung out in his house in Florida. Um, they uh, collaborated on a story, The Trap, um, and he wrote uh, 
uh, some stories about ghouls, um, including uh, the, the Chadbourne experiment. In uh, and in his uh, stories, he specifically says that there's a, a little girl who sees a ghoul, and um, uh, that the ghoul's effect is that you're just paralyzed with fear. Ooh, yeah. You just can't do anything. Uh, it's this sort of very Lovecraftian response to the ghoul. And so maybe that's where the paralysis of the ghoul comes from, is that seeing this a dog-like entity eating a dead person, especially a dead person that you knew and loved, yeah. will, will, will strike you paralytic with, with terror. And so that uh, level maybe of the, of the ghoul is... Um, uh, is uh, it, maybe it comes from Henry S. Whitehead, um, but again, I haven't I haven't read every single ghoul story in in Weird Tales. Uh, for God's sake, uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard wrote a ghoul uh, story um, uh, called um, what was it called? It was called Slaves of Sleep, oh, and it was geez. a heroic fantasy yeah. uh, set in uh, modern day New York. And they were up uh, uh, his his ghouls. He really plays up the shape-shifting quality that they have in Arabic folklore. It's again, it's a very um, Orientalist uh, story about a, a bad ghoul that comes to America and um, uh, messes with people. So the, um, the 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 Lovecraftian ghoul then obviously has a giant influence on future ghoul writing. Mm-hmm. So you have. Henry Kuttner's The Graveyard Rats, which is an yeah. amazing story. Uh, Robert Barber Johnson's Far Below, which is so good. It it I mean, it was voted by readers of Weird Tales in the 50s. It was voted the best story ever to appear in Weird Tales. Whoa. Now, that is not true, but it is definitely <laughs> a top 10 Weird Tales story. <laughs> All right. It's, 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 it's amazing. And this one is very Lovecraftian ghouls. Um, and they uh, live underneath New York City, and a secret detail of the subway police is fighting a war that goes back to colonial times. Oh, wow. And it's so good. Um, Always in this show, you you ask, Ken, what's a little-known, a less-known thing Uh uh, that people should read about (laughs) ghouls? And I... Robert Robert Barber Johnson's Far Below is that thing. It's 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 been pretty thoroughly anthologized. It, it's pretty easy to find okay. it uh, if you hunt around, um, and it is uh, it is the bomb. It is the bomb diggity. Wow, so that good. sounds like something I could like base a whole campaign around in Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's definitely uh, everything is there, and, um, and it's uh, it's it's terrific. Uh, I'm amazed that. There hasn't been a collection of Robert Barber Johnson stories. Yeah, um, he he didn't write a lot, but I mean, Far Below alone is 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 amazing. And then uh, after that, he wrote circus stories. Okay, <laughs> so I'm... there you go. You're, that's your ghoul circus connection that no one asked about. <laughs> and now that I'm thinking about it, I think there is like a ghouls underneath New York that have been there for generations, and like Delta Green Countdown, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure if. If those ghouls um, uh, are uh, directly Robert Barber Johnson ghouls, <laughs> or if they're Lovecraftian ghouls, just put under New York. And again, yeah. it's not—it's not the hardest job in the world to say, "Oh, let's see, it's a city of eight million people. I'll bet there's ghouls under it." That's sort of what <laughs> Lovecraft implies is true in Pickman's model, where he says, "Well, it's true in Boston. What do you bet it's true everywhere else?" <laughs> Oh yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I I I, oh, I love the whole concept of of ghoul. Well, I you know not like enamored. Well, I love the concept of like ghouls and underground, which uh, makes me think about chuds. Are chuds ghouls? I or- think chuds are ghouls. I okay. think chuds are very much modern ghouls. Um, and uh, the chuds, I think, are part of the uh, part of the fact is that you have sort of a a a troglodytes who eat you mm-hmm. stories are pretty old yeah. obviously um chuds i think take a lot of that uh hidden presence element out of, out of ghouls um I, I think you could you can make an argument that anything that eats corpses is a ghoul okay. so that's from your one-off <laughs> werewolf of paris uh, uh graveyard guard mm-hmm. all the way down to a whole race of dog-headed uh monsters from the dreamlands uh, uh, or into the future in, in the magical land of Zothique 
uh, where the the god Mordigian uh, reigns, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and uh, and the, the ghouls uh, worship him, um, and that's in uh, the Charnel God by our again our buddy Clark Ashton Smith. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think you can you can paint a bunch of different you know things as ghouls, and it's really up to you. You know, does it feel ghoulish, or do you need another thing to be a chud? But chuds, I think, you know, their their first uh, big uh, uh, moment in literature is probably the Morlocks, right? Yeah. Because they live underground. They're pale and pasty and creepy and maybe inbred, and they eat people, and or they eat the Eloy certainly. <laughs> and um, and so the Morlocks, I think, are another big spawner of the chuds. So. I'm not sure in the alternate universe where Lovecraft never wrote. I, I think in that alternate universe, you know, you still have chuds, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Because I yeah. think that they come out of the Morlocks so strongly and out of the general sort of um, creepy things that that, that that live under underground and, and eat you. But but again, I mean, you get into sort of the notion of a cannibal family. Are we talking Sawny Bean? Yeah. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes? Yeah. Are those that, that, that kind of stuff also. Just, cannibal tribes right? And, <laughs> will they turn into you know, ghouls <laughs> and will they turn into ghouls and, and cannibal tribes of course you know we can back out via lovecraft uh from picture in the house to the anziku the anziks in yeah. africa yeah uh who the their neighbors certainly thought were cannibals sure. uh, people's neighbors often think the guys the next tribe over are cannibals sometimes they are the aztecs were definitely cannibals there's uh arc there's archaeological evidence that the anasazi uh were sort of taken over either from within by a religious movement or from without by a different tribe uh, and around 950 AD they became cannibals and ate travelers who passed by oh, wow. of course the Anasazi live out in the desert yeah. so there you go um, there's an amazing book on all the archaeological evidence for Anasazi cannibalism and it's like I don't know it's like a foot tall it's it's huge it's like a coffee table book for the world's worst coffee table it's called <laughs> man corn and oh. i uh, i picked it up at a book expo one one year and it is one of my proud possessions oh. my prized possessions so uh yeah i mean you have i mean literal historical examples of cannibals uh odysseus meets cannibals mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the odyssey the yeah. lestragons um so you know the question is at what point does a cannibal become a chud become a ghoul and those those bright lines don't exist and it's really up to you uh there's a really terrific uh, short story by anthony boucher called they bite Hmm. uh, which is about sort of a creepy cannibal inbred family that lives in holes in arizona or new mexico or somewhere (laughs) and um it's really really awful i mean in the sense of it's amazingly good uh-huh, but again uh-huh. i don't think of that in my heart as a ghoul story oh. because for me a ghoul has to have some level of inhumanity and magic to it uh that is different than just human degradation or aztecs okay right yeah so i, I you know again a wendigo story wendigos eat people yeah, but they're are, they're not ghouls. They're possessed by a Wendigo spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that seems to me to be different from a ghoul. But again, you have the amazingly good uh, ghoul story, "The Lord of the Land," by Gene Wolfe, mm-hmm. which says all ghouls are possessed. They're possessed by an alien that fell uh, to Earth uh, in Egypt, uh, four thousand BC or whatever, and possessed jackals, hmm. and then infected people who went out into the desert and that's why sort of jackal shaped people uh take on this seeming and and eat uh and and eat human flesh and it's because they're all possessed by aliens and again it's gene wolf so it's this uh beautifully written story i don't think it's i mean i liked it but i don't think it's gene wolf's strongest story ever because and, and as a horrorist gene wolf has the disadvantage of being almost compulsively sort of ironic and that he's always sort of standing off to one side and narrating the story. Even if it's first person, you're not, you know, he's, uh, he's present in the story in a way that, that lets you know, Oh, this is happening to a bunch of other people. I don't have to worry so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but, but again, it's the, the, the language is great. The, con- the concepts are great. It's, it's a terrific story. So, um, you know, word of the land, uh, has ghouls as parasites, so maybe Wendigoism is ghoulerism. Hmm. 
Maybe they're all related. <laughs> Maybe they're all related. <laughs> Maybe there's a quality that once you eat people, um, uh, you, you that changes you. And yeah. so by, regardless of how you ate the people, whether you were a, a, a degenerate who was guarding a graveyard or you're an Aztec uh, priest or you're a, 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 a inbred family in Scotland or New Mexico or a, or a, a jackal gatherer in ancient Egypt or Mesopotamia, yeah, once you eat people, that changes you and you become all ghouled out. Man, uh, I don't want to go to that convention. <laughs> no. no. Ghouls. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. It's your turn to ask. Okay, I, I thought you were looking something up because I heard I am looking something crack. up. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, what, what, um, so uh, I was going to say, would the uh, uh, figure that the narrator and Sinjin dig up and the... Uh, the hound was was that a ghoul? I, 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 part of me is like, I think they said that guy was a ghoul, but an old yeah, Dutch I, ghoul, right? I mean, <laughs> he's he's. I think of him as a lich. Oh, okay. In my personal D and D of Cthulhu, I think he's a lich because okay. I think he's a he's a sorcerer, right? Yeah. He goes to Lang, he steals the amulet, and takes it back with him to be buried in Holland. Sure. And I think that the amulet keeps him alive like a lich has a magic amulet that keeps it alive. Yeah. But because the amulet is a magical hound, his sort of spectral existence is this hound thing. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And certainly the spectral hound eats alive people because Sinjin gets eaten. Yeah. I mean, maybe he dies of a heart attack or fear paralysis and then gets eaten. But that's that seems like, you know, sort of <laughs> cheating a little bit. It's like if a ghoul, you're, you're in a graveyard in a Lovecraft story and the ghoul's like, oh, no, don't worry. We only eat dead people. Um, <laughs> that's why I carry a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, you know, I, I believe in, in organic farm range, dead uh, farm raised dead people. Free range. All right. Now, uh, yeah. So the, the 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 hound. I think you can see that Lovecraft is connecting dogs and the dead in the same sort of Vathak Arabic mythos way, and that's why he has the hound be the thing that leaps out of the grave and chases people. But I'm not sure that he is, you know, consciously saying, "I'm going to take this same monster and connect it up to this other bunch of monsters." Yeah. Um, I think that. They're they're sort of painted off the same palette, uh, the way that George Wetzel would say. Mm -hmm. Same with Rats in the Walls, which is full of degenerate cannibalism. Yeah. Um, but is it ghouls? I don't think it. I don't think it's ghouls. But again, maybe the the winged uh, uh, hound uh, soul symbol of Lang is actually Mordigian, and maybe he's not a worm. Maybe he's a big dog. We don't know. Hmm. We don't know Mordigian. We don't know his his life. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was the other? <clears throat> uh, tch, 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 tch. Uh, the uh, Randolph Carter. Randolph Carter. So, is down in the uh, down in the tomb? Would that be uh, liches or ghouls? Well, like I said, um, Lovecraft said he didn't know what they were. Okay. And I think we should believe him. Well, I'm um, asking you. Well, in in my <laughs> in my world, uh, the things in the tomb are specifically things that uh, exist in um, uh, – they're like the Pontypool zombies. Yeah. In that they uh, spread uh, linguistically and semantically. Huh. So that uh, Carter is going down there to uh, – or Harley Warren is going down there to get occult knowledge, right? Uh -huh. Now, maybe he's just trying to steal a, a jade amulet from Lang. We don't know. Yeah. But isn't it – because, I mean, we're told over and over that he has books and languages that no one can read. Mm -hmm. he, he gets them from Arabia and India. Uh, Harley Warren is a is an occultist with a very strong interest in the indecipherable, right? Mm -hmm. So my theory is he hears about these this necropolis that barely exists, by the way, because the people who live in Florida are like, there's no graveyard in that swamp. You're an yeah. idiot. And he's like, I can only tell you that Harley Warren led me to this graveyard. 
So maybe it comes from a different universe or from the dreamlands or from a different parallel, or maybe it's magic like, like the magic graver, like Brigadoon, and it just shows up on certain nights. So Harley Warren goes in and he's looking in my mind to understand, to decipher. He wants to get, you know, the, the universal key to knowledge, whether that's, you know, Aklo or um, some other gift that will let him read all of his magical books and understand the magic. That's what he's looking for is learning and lore. And in a proper Faustian horror story, you should be destroyed by the thing you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, uh, Dr. Frankenstein is trying to make life. He's destroyed by that life. Um, that's, uh, you know, Faust is uh, looking for uh, 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 magic. He's destroyed by magic. Same thing. So I think that uh, the things that he sees down in the tomb are linguistically uh, contaminated or li linguistically contagious because that's what he's looking for is this uh, uh, knowledge. And so the mold shades or ghouls or whatever they are um, spread their uh, contamination to him uh, by, uh, by words. And so when Randolph Carter's on the other end of the phone and the, and the voice then speaks and says, you fool, Warren is dead. That's a lot of information to have been gathered by some ghouls to understand what's happened. I mean, if you're a yeah. ghoul down in the crypt, how do you know that that's a phone? Uh huh. How do you know that the guy on the other end is a person? Right? How do you know anything mm -hmm. unless you are able to sort of draw that knowledge out of Harley Warren? And again, you get the notion where the ghouls, once they eat you, they get your memories. And mm -hmm. I think that comes out of um, uh, uh, Brian McNaughton. Uh, in his ghoul stories, which are also terrific, by oh, the way, yeah. uh, Throne of Bones. If you haven't read that, I recommend it. Um, and and so the notion that the, as, as the ghouls eat you and, and gain their memories, um, and I think that may also be in the L. Ron Hubbard story. So there hmm. we are. Um, so the uh, 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 so, so so if they are able to sort of cross literally that body brain barrier, my notion is that's what they're fundamentally about is. That that the, the the contaminant the the contagion the the taint that they have yeah. is this linguistic uh, taint, and that's why they're able to speak in a complete English sentence that makes sense to Randolph Carter, despite being a bunch of mold shades from a magic Brigadoon cemetery in Florida. All right, right. Now, so that, but yes, ghouls, fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, uh, what's what's a mold shade? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a shade is a dead person, uh -huh, and uh -huh. old is grave earth. Yeah. So makes it, me think like could... a zombie before the you know the word zombie was. <laughs> well, except a shade is sort of spectral. Okay. All right. Not a, not a, so it's a like a, a ghost. Oh. Um, but it's uh, but it's a mold shade, which means it must be different. If it has a different name, it has different powers. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. <laughs> I've played Diablo. <laughs> right. So the um the uh the question of what is it I mean I guarantee that you and I right now have put more thought into this story than Lovecraft did. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of the what is it? I think Lovecraft just wanted to end on that crazy note because that's what he had literally dreamed. He was writing down what happened to him in his dream. Yeah. He was not um, you know, thinking, what's the literary effect of this? He knows that it scared him out of a year's growth when he woke up and said, that'll make a good horror story. <laughs> so so uh, the question of what is in the grave, I don't think Lovecraft ever wanted to answer. All right. And certainly never thought about that much. Well, it's fun to speculate. <laughs> it is fun to speculate. Good stuff. Yeah. Any other uh, any other ghouls any other ghouls you can think of there, Ken? I mean, there's there's a lot of ghouls. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of ghouls. Um, I think that you can't leave the world of ghouls without talking about Caitlin Kiernan's uh, uh, novels. Mm -hmm. uh, Caitlin Kiernan, of course, has got a bunch of sort of Lovecraftian inspired fiction, Lovecraft sequels. She's written a direct sequel to Pickman's model called Pickman's other model. Oh. Um, and uh, she has a great novel uh, called daughter of hounds, which is part of her sort of urban fantasy series. And daughter of hounds is very, very good in the notion that uh, the, the sort of connecting ghouls to grave robbers, because of course that's the other thing 
that uh, you use the word ghoul to refer to are people like Burke and Hare mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. would go and dig up dead people and sell them to uh, uh, medical ex- uh, experiments or that would dig up dead people and take the, the, the rings off their fingers and the gold out of their teeth or whatever, like yeah. in the graveyard rats by Henry Kuttner. And so uh, daughter of hounds says, if we assume Lovecraft is correct and there is an organized ghoul community that trades human body, human uh, babies and an organized ghoul community that uh, has these agendas, mm-hmm. they have to have human, you know, partners on the surface, and those are going to be uh, grave robbers, yeah, and resurrection men, and things like that. And so, that connection and that sort of taking a, a ghoul story into not quite a crime novel because it's not that's not the focus of it, but the existence of a criminal underworld is part of it. Um, and I think that makes Daughter of Hounds really really interesting to read i mean caitlin kiernan pretty much everything she uh she writes is very good but um daughter of hounds i think is maybe of that cycle it's my favorite and certainly the ghouliest of 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 her books wow that sounds sounds good and then our our old buddy uh willem pugmire has a great ghoul story called some buried memory um uh, a lot of people are very, very fond of Bob Lehman's story, The Tahama, although that's not super easy to find anymore. Yeah. I think it was in Cthulhu 2000, if I'm correct, but maybe it wasn't. Um, so the uh, – and, of course, Neil Gaiman has the Graveyard book, which has got ghouls in it. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of uh, his version of the Jungle book, except it's a little boy raised in a graveyard – or a little girl. I forget who it is. A, a child raised in a graveyard by – uh, a ghoul Bagheera, basically, um, and so the um, uh, uh, and so the, the notion of um, of ghouls in, in sort of the dream questy way are, are in that. So if you're looking for sort of a YA ghouls, um, the Gaiman has has got you covered. Wow. So uh, I have a, I have a personal little bit of ghoulish family history that I. Fantastic. Uh, uh, I have uh, I had a uh, great 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 uncle I think who was a member of the Donner Party. Fantastic. But was not go. someone who was eaten, but uh, was someone who got sick, and uh, him and another man had murdered a previous or uh, someone who was part of the party uh, for unknown reasons. But then they got sick. And uh, died along the tra- trail and were buried, and they didn't go back and eat them because of the fact that they were sick. Right. Yeah. So they were <laughs> they were ghouls who couldn't follow through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because normally you murder someone and then you get sick. We know what happened. Yeah. You, you know you didn't cook it long enough. <laughs> you got trichinosis or prions or whatever. Sure. Um, uh, so yeah, Donner Party is another great example. Uh, there, that ties into your sort of Wendigoness of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of snow and the and the West and all that good good fun. Um, and then there's a, a story by Bentley Little called the Washingtonians. Yeah, about a secret con- a conspiracy of cannibals in the the highest uh, ranks of America's uh, of of America's government um, because George Washington, it turned out had special teeth for eating people. Do you see uh, my Skype uh, image? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a ghoul, George Washington. <laughs> there you go. Is, is that a deliberate Bentley little shout-out, or is yeah, that... Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I, I did a uh, book, or I, I uh, did an illustration book a couple years back about all of the uh, founding fathers being uh, uh, kind of from a, like... A race that kind of like uh, is like what uh, in mythology is referred to in folklore as like ghouls or vampires, but it's like just kind of like well, it's it's all kind of the same thing. It's just different uh, different different uh, places have said, oh, we have these powers and we have these powers. It's like no, we just have these powers and these powers, and oh yeah, yeah. no, we we uh, formed a government here so that we could do things, right. and we fooled everyone into thinking that it was like uh, masons or something, because the truth's even worse. Well, I mean, I think that uh, history will bear you out when you said George Washington had superpowers. Oh, yeah. It's just that whether or not they came from ghoulism, which I feel <laughs> is a rank canard, <laughs> or from uh, exemplary Freemasonry, which is obviously the real truth. 
<laughs> I always thought it was sex magic. He ate a, he ate a magic apple uh, from Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> Johnny Appleseed had the apple of, uh, of uh, life and death out of the Garden of Eden, and he gave it to George Washington. That's what happened. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I just... Taking uh, just like the whole concept of like taking Americana and various aspects of like founding fathers and smashing it together into like a Greek like uh, <laughs> just <laughs> it's it's something I find amusing when people do or when when stuff like that is mentioned of like smashing together or like when people say founding fathers and they include Abraham Lincoln with them and just I don't know I find that stuff humorous. Well, I mean, you know, uh, the uh, we think of the Greek myths as all happening at the same time, but uh, those are generational as well. And I'm sure that people got very mad when people said, you know, why wasn't Theseus on Jason and the Argonauts boat? And it's like, uh -huh. Theseus comes later. You're wrong. Stop being wrong. <laughs> but I, but, I feel like now they all happen in, in magic time. Uh, it's what uh, Eliade calls the Illud Tempest, yeah. the time before history. And, you know, nowadays with uh, the social media rotting everyone's brain, you know, history is what, four years ago, two years ago, everything else is just magic mush. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of magic mush, uh, my brain is mush, Ken. I can't think of any more ghoul stuff to talk about. Um, I did have one thing that happened recently. Someone asked me to ask you a question and I told them, go to Ken and Robin talk about stuff. They have a Patreon where you can get uh, access to asking questions to Ken and Robin, and that I'm not the person to talk to. I'm not the, it's true. I'm not the middleman. No, <laughs> and I appreciate that. That's that's a nice funneling job. Yeah. There. Yeah. Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Dot com has the link to our Patreon, which I'm sure will be. Uh, uh, in the show notes or whatever, unless you're still linking to toured Lovecraft the destinations which is now uh, it's going into backer kit right now as we talk so maybe it will be all done by the time this airs all right and you can legitimately just go buy it from atomic Overmind. <laughs> okay that sounds good thank you so much Ken thank you for talking about ghouls I feel like I know twice as much about ghouls that I did before and uh... well you already knew about um, uh, the Washingtonians so oh, your, yeah. your level of knowledge was very high. Well, I, you know, I, I like ghouls because they're kind of like zombie adjacent, even though, I don't know, zombies kind of lost their luster last 10 years or so. Yeah, well, I mean, we didn't even talk about the question of aren't zombies just ghouls? Eh, well, right? Next they, time. They eat corpses, right? If that's the <laughs> definition of, of, of ghouls. Oh, man, we didn't even get into the now. fact that are ghouls uh, <laughs> degenerate gin or none of that stuff. None of that stuff. Well, you know, <laughs> even the ghouls um, uh, will dig tunnels out of the most capacious and well-thought-out podcast. Oh, certainly. Uh, we, we know that is true. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Ken, and we look forward to talking to you next time on The People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everyone. I had a shout-out, seeing if anyone had any questions for the show or anything like that, now that we're done talking to Ken. And I guess we do have another segment. And I guess that segment is mailbag mateo asks hey you had a guest on your show talking about a spell book what spell book was that pretty sure the last spell book we talked about was the book of ibon created by clark ash and smith generally we're talking about necronomicon created by hp lovecraft or uh whatever you want to believe and uh yeah that's that's uh magic books i think we've been talking about Unless someone else was talking about something that they ran across that I don't recall, but I don't know. If you know what Mateo's talking about, write me, let me know. Uh, you can contact us at pgttcm.com. You can contact on, us on the Facebook, and you can also contact us on Instagram, pgttcm, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. All right, here's that pre-recorded stuff that I did for the outro. Outside. There you have it. Me and Ken got to do another episode about ghouls. We just hit the tip of the uh, flesh-eating iceberg on that one. But yeah, so ghouls, what you going to do? 
Normally I have a second segment on this, but I don't have one this week because, well, um, I was busy, and me and Ken talked quite a bit about ghouls, so I'm going to make this a two-parter. Uh, episode 1104 will be two parts, so probably sometime later this week I'll talk to Ken, we'll get some stuff down, and we'll talk about ghouls some more... Uh, maybe we'll have someone talk about video games. I've got a few people. I've got, I've got a bunch of pokers in the fire right now. Everything's up in the air. Uh, I've, I've, I've got some folks that I could talk to about ghouls if we want to make this a super ghoul episode, but I want to release this part at least. So yeah. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I have been your host, D.B. Spitzer. You can check us out at pgttcm.com. And you can always find us on the Instagram at pgttcm.com. Remember, this is the monthly show. The daily show is Black Clock Audio Tales. And our weekly shows are Articulate Warbling with Zach and Laura, filmed and recorded in Brighton, England. They've got stuff going on on Facebook right now, so check out Articulate Warbling with Zach and Laura on Facebook. And Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans is... (laughs) Thanks, car alarm. I told you I'm recording in my backyard right now. Uh, So, thanks, car alarm. And Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans is weekly, bi-weekly... And Zach, Zach makes him whatever he wants, and sometimes it's a whole bunch, sometimes it's a little, I think now that Laura's part of the show, it's a little bit more regular, and yeah. But hey, this show's still monthly. If you want to help support the show, we've got a Patreon on Patreon, PGTTCM. If you want to help us out, uh, we've got the Patreon on on, uh, Podbean.com, they've got their patron section there. If you want to send me something on PayPal, that's paypal.me slash pgttcm. Hey, what can I get for a dollar a month at pgttcm.com? I'll tell you what. I'll uh, I'll say your name during the podcast. How about that? Yeah. The beginning? Yeah. And uh, you get to ask questions, too. And uh, I'll read your mail instead of just, I don't know, throwing it in the street like every other mail I get. And, uh, I don't know. That's it. Hey, if you want to pledge money, pledge money. If you don't, don't. I mean, it's all good. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And remember, listen, tell people, rate, review, subscribe. This is episode 1104, season 11, episode 4, Ghouls Part A. Just like season 3 when we did Ghouls in two parts. Hey, maybe next time we'll talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We don't know. All right. Next time. Keep squiggly and stay weird.